I'm Stefan Sittig, and welcome to American Theatre Artists Online, where we talk with leading contemporary figures in American theatre. If you've been enjoying the American Theatre Artists Online podcast, I urge you to consider donating to help the artists who produce the theatre that we all love so much. Due to the COVID-19 pandemic, many performers, designers, directors, choreographers, stage crew, and theater administration staff are either without a job or in peril of losing their jobs. The Actors Fund provides assistance to artists to cover basic living expenses, such as food, essential medications, utilities, and more. If you love and enjoy theater, please consider donating to the Actors Fund today. Just go to actorsfund.org and press donate. My guest today is Deborah Clinton, who is passionate about theater and theater education in all its forms. A theater artist for over 30 years, Deborah has made a career performing, directing, writing, and teaching theater. As the current president of Virginia Theater Association, VTA, one of the largest state theater associations in the country, she is responsible for connecting, creating, cultivating, and advocating for practitioners of theater across Virginia. Deborah's directorial credits include work at Virginia Repertory Theater, Firehouse Theater, Richmond Triangle Players, Dogwood Dell, and countless productions at the Weinstein JCC in Richmond, Virginia, where she is artistic director of the Jewish Family Theater. Deborah is a proud recipient of the 2013 Teresa Pollock Award for Excellence in Theater, as well as a recipient of a Richmond Theater Critics Circle Award for her libretto and lyrics for the original musical Croker, along with composer Jason Marks, which received a New York City production off-off-Broadway in 2016. Hi, Deborah. Hi, Stefan. How are you today? I'm actually in pretty good spirits, thank you. Good, thank you so much for joining us here on American Theatre Artists Online, our podcast. We love to have people who are involved in education and theater on our podcast. That's one of our favorite themes, so we're really excited to have you today. I am very excited and appreciative to be with you. Now, you have been working in theater for over 30 years, and you're not that old. <laughs> you started very young, like I did. And um, I was a toddler. You were, you were a mere babe in the woods, yes. And what I noticed is that your career expands through so many different places, into so many different places. Performer, director, writer, teacher. Your passion is really clear. But I wanted to talk today a lot about your work specifically in Virginia with theater education and promoting theater in Virginia. Now, um, before I dive into all of that, and we have a lot to talk about today, I'm really excited that you're here. Um, let's talk a little bit about how you're holding up during this um, extended pause that we're on due to COVID-19. How, how's everything going over there? Uh, thank you for asking. Um, I'm well, my family is well. Many of the people I care about are well. In a strange way, I have had the opportunity to sort of uh, do some self-work. Mm -hmm. I've been able to keep creating and doing things, as you know, in a completely different way. But honestly, the slowdown has had some upsides for me personally. Like what? Give us an example of one. Well, uh, I, 
I am a teacher and I did teach online. I did transition, Mm -hmm. but I got to walk a lot. I got to do a lot of yoga. Mm -hmm. I got to read plays. I got to give some thought and attention to things other than when my next rehearsal is. And as a human being, I think that will only make me a better artist. You know, it's funny you say that because I think I, a lot of people that I've talked to on the podcast and elsewhere, uh, especially theater artists like you who were super busy pre-pandemic, right? Who had like 20 things going on at the same time. Some of us are like that. Um, those of us that were like that, some of us have really benefited from this time a little bit to kind of focus, to to pick and choose. So I've, I've noticed that, you're, that that's worked for you too and to really center ourselves a little bit more. It's nice to have a bit of a pause, right? Yeah, and I I also think helpful to gain a perspective. Sometimes you get so wrapped up in my show or my project, you you know, there's Mm -hmm. other things that are important in life. Absolutely. Uh, The larger concerns that maybe as artists we should all concentrate on addressing. So I think it was useful in a lot of ways. Yes, and and I think you're absolutely right. And I've noticed, you know, that one of the things that um, you've spent a lot of time doing in this this uh, pandemic period is working on the upcoming Virginia Theater Association conference. Now, you are the president of Virginia Theater Association. So tell us a little bit more about this amazing organization and its mission. Well, uh, Virginia Theater Association is in its 48th year. Wow. And so you can only imagine the changes that that organization has been through over that amount of time. And just to give you some context, it has always been primarily, except for a few instances, a volunteer-based organization with a volunteer board and a volunteer slate of officers. We have had professional support in the past because the conference has grown uh, to about had grown to about 2,500 people in person for five days. Wow, that's a lot of people. Yes, and you and I both have had the pleasure of being part of those conferences, and yes. it's kind of unimaginable but glorious at the same time. Yeah. So we were getting ready to just proceed with business as usual, and like everyone, and I do mean everyone else in the world, the pandemic upsided us. And it became super clear super early that we had a choice whether or not to just take a pause. Mm-hmm. Nobody would have judged us. Or maybe to see how we can sort of venture forth into the foreseeable future world of virtual. And the mission of the organization is to um, connect and create and bring artists together across the state, theater artists across the state of Virginia. But I think our biggest strength is really convening the, the bringing people together part And so what became kind of the unstated mission of conference was how can we do this virtually? Mm. How can we connect all of the professionals and artisans and educators and students? How can we make them remember that they are part of this very large, vibrant community? And that has been pretty much what has been driving us since about April. Wow. So just in the last several months, you guys all together as a board decided to move the conference online. So instead of skipping a year, which could have been an option, 
uh, the board chose to move the entire huge conference online. That's a tremendous undertaking, and that alone is enough to keep to keep all the board busy and you as president especially busy. So what were some of the things that you focused on when moving uh, the conference online? Um, what were some of the, the, the parameters that you were looking at? Like what are some of the challenges or things that you had to, to, to face while examining how to move this online? Well, I think uh, there were a couple of things that uh, really struck me and um, by extension the board. The notion that with this change would come perhaps a re-examination and a refocus of uh, some of the missions and goals of the organization. Uh, because as you know, Stefan, along with the pandemic came a huge upheaval in our social construct mm. in our country. Yeah. And theater, we know, is one of the art forms that reflects, forces us to take a look, a hard look at ourselves and asks us where we think we're going. So we decided that one of the focuses during the summer was going to be how to have these culturally responsive discussions and how we could transition that into conference programming. So that, that was a new initiative for us and one that I am very hopeful we will continue to move forward, forward with as an organization. Just technically, nuts and bolts, well, technology mm. and how to take all of the programming. I think I looked at our uh, conference platform this morning. We have 138, 138, yeah, events scheduled in about four days. Wow. And you can only imagine the layers of complexity because I can get very detailed and tell you all the types of things we're doing, but we may be saving that for later. It's a lot of uh, bringing tying the loose ends together. So we first we, we had to reach out to a very large part of our constituency, which are our educators. Yes. Because our secondary festival, play festival involving middle and high school makes up, I would say about 60% of our membership mm -hmm. and certainly of our attendance at uh, traditionally at conference. We had to sell them yes. on the idea that virtual was a good idea. Mm -hmm. And I'm really, thankful for all of the educators that got on board with us. We had workshops during the summer. We had town halls. We really tried to reach out and talk to people and say, what do you want? Mm. How can we help you? What do we need to do? And we've had so much support because all of us, all of us theater people, we understand that the world as we know it has changed. So we, our choices are to sit it out, wait it out, or try to keep creating. Hmm. And I think educators really, uh, really have that pressure because, you know, we've all got to keep going. You're, right. you, uh, you're an, a university instructor in your spare time, so you understand that. You yeah. can't just take a break. No. So there was that piece. Um, there was definitely that technology piece, hmm. you know, figuring out how we would get the platform, figuring out how we would do all the things that we used to do in person online, uh, recruitment. I will say that um, we have a terrific board, people who have really stepped up in their individual divisions to create programming, to organize. Uh, I don't. I know there's no way that uh, I could have done it by myself. And sometimes you just have to sort of jump. Yeah. You know. Yeah, and I saw that. You know, as the president of the board, um, and full disclosure, I'm the chair of one of those five divisions, uh, and having worked with you on the board. Um, 
all, you're absolutely right that it takes a village and it's everyone, but it takes a leader. And what I noticed from you is the ability to get the most and the best out of the people that were working on the board alongside you. And um, I, I really saw you do that in every online meeting, in every phone call, in every Zoom chat. Um, to try to uh, you know activate, energize, uh, not just and bringing new uh, and exciting and vibrant and young and diverse people to the board was something you did as well. I noticed, um, which was really helpful to to get us really um, uh, an ear to the ground there of all the you know the latest stuff going on with young people and 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 people who are different than perhaps. Um, some of us. So I thought it was fantastic uh, that that alone <laughs> is a great uh, feather in your cap. But talk to me a little bit. There are five divisions of the board, right? Of VTA. There is, I'm, I'm, I'm the head of the college university. Uh, and what are some of the other divisions out there? Uh, we have secondary, which as I mentioned to you before is mm-hmm. middle and high school. Great. Um, and typically represents between 30 and 60 schools Mm. on any given year at conference. We have our tech division. Mm -hmm. So that's all of the technical elements that go into theater. And that includes professional community, all the artists from across the state. We have theater for youth, Mm. which uh, I think the programming this year for theater for youth is very exciting because, uh, really addresses the fact that we've got homeschoolers and after-school programs and all kinds of people making theater with kids and for kids that don't fit into a traditional school system. And I think that's true of education in general. So I love uh, how much they're represented. We have your division, college and university, which is so crucial for these kids who are making that transition from high school, figuring out how to get into where they want to go. What's the path they're going to take mm-hmm. to follow their dreams? And uh, shameless plug for Stefan, his college programming is off the charts this year. Uh-huh. And college day is Friday at VTA. That's right, October uh, we, 30th. <laughs> that's right. Um, so, we we uh, work really hard to bring out um, professional and community mm-hmm. as well. And the thing of it is, is that a lot of people like myself and you, Stefan, we cut across a lot of those divisions. Correct. Yes, and I think those, what you just listed, I mean, that's a pretty amazing list, right? College, university, community, I'm just going to, community theater, um, professional theater, technology, theater for youth, secondary with middle school and high school. I mean, I can't think what's left. It's pretty much everything in Virginia theater, and, um, and it's all in one place for this conference. Now, you mentioned, you've, you've, you've hinted a couple of times in this conversation so far already about programming and how excited you are about the programming. But I want to tie it in with something you just said in the beginning here, which was how theater artists, as theater, you know, one of our responsibilities is to put a mirror up to society to reflect and to tell stories and to perhaps uh, help us face some of the challenges we encounter as a people, right? Um, And what I noticed in looking over the programming for this year, I don't know if it was intentional, Deborah, but it's there. There's a lot on social activism, theater for change, theater for social change, and devising and writing and making your own theater to do that or not, but creating you know, from the heart uh, on your own sort of grassroots. Is there a lot of that in there? Tell us more about how that ties in with some of the programming that we're seeing and some of the artists, the, the, the keynote speaker and others that we're bringing. Well, I, I think that where everybody 
everybody's head is at these days is the non-traditional methods of making theater mm-hmm. or what we have evolved into that's just not available to us right now. Mm-hmm. And, and it's funny because I tell myself and the people I work with and my students, it's almost like the playing field has been leveled and everybody now can create. Mm-hmm. And honestly, if you have an iPhone, <laughs> you know, if you have that much technology, yeah. you can do what we're doing right now, although your technology is much more advanced. But I think it gives people, you can be sad about all of it. I mean, I'm sad and I am very empathetic sure. on the uh, professional level of to people who are struggling professionally. And But I'm a glass half full kind of girl. Mm. So I'm going to say that if you have a voice, now is the time when you can be heard. Right. We've never had a time in our lives where, I mean, everybody has a platform that could be dangerous, but it also can be exhilarating. And maybe there's some value into saying, I don't know, Stefan, what do you think? Write a poem about it. Write a show about it. Hmm. Do a dance about it. Um, I was blown away by how many workshops were offered on uh, devising your own work, Hmm. writing, writing. taking your experiences and transitioning them into a theatrical piece. One of our uh, premier keynote events on Friday, Friday is like a pretty exciting day just because we have our keynote speaker, Camille Brown, Mm. um, that I do believe you will be interviewing. um, And she's going to share with us her journey and her uh, credits and her, and what exciting things she's doing both in professional theater and in education. But then we're going to lead right into um, an interactive workshop with the Conciliation Project, mm. which is divide, devise theater um, for culturally responsive audiences. Amazing. So talk about like creation and education. And, you know, I think one of the quotes they use is don't just put seats at the table, but build a new table. Right. Yeah. It's going to be a new world. Yes. We have to learn to make art for the new world. And to me, that's a very optimistic way of looking at we've been given an opportunity. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm a Pollyanna. No. But I'm, right. I'm, I'm a believer in taking something and trying to push it in a positive direction. Uh, absolutely. And the theme, every year there's a theme for the VTA conference. And I think it's very apt that this year's theme is Imagine. Because we are imagining what could be, what's possible. And by, and I also noticed this is per- permeated in, in the programming. Uh, Camille Brown, the Tony-nominated choreographer who's worked on Choir Boy on Broadway and Once, Upon, Once on This Island. But aside from that, she also is a community organizer. She is someone who teaches in her community in underserved parts of the community and is very interested in telling the stories of black and brown people. So it's really amazing how I don't know. I don't know if it was a spirit that we had <laughs> together in the board, or if it was intentional, or maybe a reaction to what's happening. We reacted, I think, so far in the right way, which was to make this conference um, much more um, expansive, perhaps, than we ever, ever thought it could be. You know, I'm a, maybe the universe is listening to us. Yes. But I, I do. You know, I do believe in VTA and. I also believe that VTA is ready to expand and change, Mm -hmm. expand. Let's use the word expand their vision Mm -hmm. to uh, better reflect who we are now, who we're becoming and what we're facing. Mm -hmm. And I think that 
we are exploring a lot of the new uh, technology and the new creative ways in which to do that. Yes, absolutely. And so, okay, so we're, we're talking about a whole week almost of programming here online for the VTA 2020 Imagine Conference. It's October 27th through November 1st. And if people want to register, is there a cost? How much is it? How do I do it if I want to participate in this conference online? Okay, thank you for asking. Uh, we begin Tuesday evening at 6.30 with an official welcome from not only myself, but Janet Stark, who is the executive director of the Virginia Commission for the Arts. I cannot think of anyone more qualified or more passionate mm -hmm. to talk about the state of the arts in Virginia. Good start. Um, um, Stark, Janet Stark. Mm -hmm. And that is at 6.30. And then we have... Um, some of our festival programming, some of our high school shows that evening. Full programming launches at 10 a.m. Wednesday morning, concludes at uh, 5.30, I'm sorry, 6 p.m. on Saturday evening, Halloween. And then we will convene on Sunday uh, just for a closing uh, ceremony, if you will. Yes. How can you find out more about this? You can go to virginiatheater.org. That's theater, R-E. VirginiaTheater.org. That's our website, and there are options to either explore it on our website or just click to register. If you are just kind of passing by and you want to see what's up, uh, it is $25 for a conference pass, hmm. and that would entitle you to all of the events that are being offered that week. Some other really great things we're offering. Um, VCU, Virginia Commonwealth University, will be premiering their first online show, uh, She Kills Monsters, on Wednesday evening. Wow. We have a theater for youth premiere of Will and Wit, uh, an original musical, and it's being performed online by students from our Virginia community. Uh, we have something called Virginia, let me see if I get this right, uh, The New Voices of Virginia, which are composers featuring original work led by Jason Marks, who is a local performer and composer. I could go on and on, but I would like to think that there is something for everyone in this conference. Absolutely. And aside from those key points that you mentioned and the keynote from Camille Brown, you also have, right, as you mentioned, 138 different workshops, panels of all different types of things for all sorts of interests from technology to professional theater to college to community theater. I mean, when you look at the programming, it's, it's really vast. And let me ask you a question. You don't have to be a theater high school student or college student to participate for 25 bucks. If you are a, just a person who's interested in theater from anywhere, right? It's all expansive. You don't have to be in Virginia either. Uh, if you're interested in oh, theater, no. <laughs> right? We have um, some workshop offerings that are from uh, universities out of state. Mm -hmm. uh, we have people coming. We have actually people coming from all over the place because that's the wonderful thing about virtual right. is you can really offer it up to everyone. And in this time where we're all feeling somewhat isolated, the best thing we can do is reach out and try to connect with each other. Absolutely. That's a great, yes. And I think the, the power of the online is that it can be global. It doesn't have to yeah. even be statewide or countrywide. If someone is in Paris and they want to oh. take a course, one of the, one of the courses is 25 bucks. 
to do anything. I got to tell you something yeah. real quick. Um, so Melissa Charles, who is cha the chair of the Theater for Youth Division and directing this uh, Will and Wit that will be premiering on Thursday, sent out an audition call. And she has somebody performing who's a, a student in the Philippines. Wow. So talk about being able to make those global connections. That's wonderful. And I'm thinking, you know, as we're talking about um, this conference, um, VTA conference, and how it's expanded online, um, let's say next year we go back, you know, God willing, to, um, to back to the old way of doing it, quote unquote, face-to-face -face conference again, which I think would have been in Richmond, right, in the, in the state capital, Virginia. What, what do you imagine for the online piece? It's something that would continue, perhaps, in some way? I don't see, and I, I, you know, thank you for this ringer of a question because <laughs> I am president of a board and as such cannot make decisions all on my own, but Absolutely. in all transparency, because it's virtual, we have been able to offer this opportunity to so many more young people and people who probably could not afford to come in person mm -hmm. that whatever happens um, in the world as far as uh, large events. Yeah. I don't think we'll ever get rid of the online piece because it's too valuable. And I honestly, that's my observation on the world in general. Absolutely. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I think also we have been talking for years about some of the underserved communities in Virginia, uh, west of, you know, west of central Virginia, uh, and that we've been trying to reach. And it's hard. It's hard to travel to a city if it's far away. It's hard to get the money to stay at a hotel. So you know what? This online component is something we can certainly use to branch out. So that's great. But okay, Virginia Theater Association Conference, and we'll talk more at the end about it. Virginia Theater, RE.org, October 27th through November 1st, VTA Imagine 2020 Conference for 25 bucks. You can do it all. Um, so let me ask you this. As president of this huge organization, and we just talked a bit about, that's just one piece of you. That's just one piece of everything that you are as a uh, theater practitioner. So I know you do a lot. We've talked performer, director, writer, teacher. But before we even go there, I want to know a little bit more about you, Deborah Clinton. I want to know... Were you always interested in theater? Was this something you like came out of the womb doing? Or, or, or how did you first get exposed to it? And where did you know that this, where and when did you know that this is what you wanted to do with your life? Let's go back. Okay. Um, I can't ever remember being interested in anything else. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm from New York. I, I don't have as thick of an accent as I used to, but I was born in Manhattan and raised in Long Island. So a lot of exposure parents who were super supportive but didn't really understand what I wanted to do mm -hmm. um I went to Emerson oh. now it was Emerson College it's now Emerson University uh where my eyes were opened about all the possibilities and then like other people before me I went to New York City to be an actor mm -hmm. and I I did that I, I did a lot of things. And then <laughs> one day I said, you know what? This is really hard and I want to have a life. Mm. And I ended, I won't bore you with the details, but I ended up in Virginia. Mm. And I, I liked Richmond a lot. There were a lot of opportunities uh, to be a performer. And I, I availed myself of all of those opportunities. Like many artists, I 
back to, into teaching, mm-hmm. I think you become something called a teaching artist. Yeah. And I know there's a lot of people out there who do this um, because we want to fulfill our passion and pay the bills. And then somewhere along the line of that, you realize that there's nothing more gratifying and fulfilling than transferring your passion to someone else. And mm-hmm. it's super inspiring. Yeah. I, I really never set out to be a teacher. I just sort of ambled into it. And um, I, I kept performing. I, I got my master's here at uh, VCU. I kept performing. I met you there. Mm-hmm. Uh, along the line, I got married. I had a family. We moved back to New York. We did New York things. We moved back to Virginia. Mm-hmm. And I just, I, I found... Being in a smaller market, I was given a lot of opportunities to fail, which means you get to practice a lot. Yeah. Okay. And I, I somehow, I think it was a job I had and they were like, you need to direct some shows. And I started directing way out in Amelia County, mm-hmm. west of Richmond. And there wasn't anybody there to know if it was bad or good, but there sure was a lot of appetite for theater. Mm-hmm. And I, I learned, you know, I learned my craft that way. I learned it. There were a lot of things I didn't know, but I learned it all by doing. I, I, I've had a lot of opportunities given to me by living in Richmond. I, uh, since 2007, I've been the artistic director of the Jewish Family Theater here at the Weinstein JCC, where it's given me a platform, it's given me an audience, it's given me the chance to give other people opportunities. Mm-hmm. We've done an incredible body of work. I, I mean, I'm really lucky, Stefan. And I guess what I'll say to you at the end of the day is performing is great, but for me personally, making other people look good is even more fulfilling. And I'm not an altruist and I'm not like, you know, Mother Teresa. I just like making people look good and helping them feel actualized, helping them feel fulfilled. Mm-hmm. Well, and looking at your, your resume and the things that you've done, right? So the, let's talk a bit about your directing because let's, let's face it, let's be honest. There are not a lot of women directors, A. There are not a lot of women directors directing at big theaters. Virginia Repertory Theater is one of the biggest theaters in Virginia, uh, if not the one of the most preeminent theaters, uh, regional theaters in Virginia. It's a large organization. You've directed musicals there. You've directed plays, am I right? Elsewhere yes, and, a, and Firehouse Theater, a, a sort of a studio kind of theater in Virginia for those who don't know Virginia as well. Richmond Triangle Players, an LGBTQ plus um, theater that really reaches out to those underserved communities and countless other productions, right? And you mentioned the Weinstein JCC. So as a woman directing in this profession, I mean, y- what have you encountered? You said you've been lucky. That's good. Uh, I'm sure you have, but you've also earned a lot of that. So how, how was it, um, the competition, how was it getting into those, to being a director? I'm going to be super transparent you always are. I don't really. <laughs> <laughs> I got my first opportunity um, at Virginia Rep in 2015. Mm. Uh, the then artistic director and uh, founding director, Bruce Miller and Phil Whiteway, um, they took a chance on me in a production of The Whipping Man. Mm. And I was terrified because it seemed like a really important play on a really big platform. And guess what? It was a success. And here's the deal, Stefan. When people come to your shows, you are deemed at least 
commercial success. Right, sure. Whether or not you are a critical artistic success is generally determined by your peers, and that's a whole other conversation. Right. But I, I was for, I have, and when I say lucky, I mean, I don't know, Stefan. You know, I, <laughs> I have had several shows that have done very well in the Richmond, on the Richmond landscape. In other words, they've got garnered large audiences mm-hmm. and good reviews. Um, you know, I'm a performer. I don't have a super, uh, I'm really revealing myself now. Um, <laughs> I don't have lots of directing uh, pedagogy in my pocket. Um, and everything I've learned, I've learned through listening to people smarter than me. Mm-hmm. Um, being a woman, well, I'll tell you the truth, and you've known me, we've discussed this over 25 years, another reveal. Um, I think people would classify me as uh, overly assertive, um, a little pushy, but nurturing. Uh, but you got to be tough. Mm. And one of the experiences that stands out to me that really made an adult out of me was when I directed 1776 with a cast of, uh, I think it was 29 males and two females. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, sometimes you just got to be the biggest guy in the locker room. And no offense, any males who are listening, <laughs> but that's, that's what it is sometimes to be a woman in any profession. Sure. Can imagine. And this, the struggle always between being feminine and being a strong person Hopefully my girl and her granddaughters won't have that fight. Right. But it, and I don't, and in terms of marginalized communities, women are not the most marginalized, but you know, it's a thing. You gotta, you gotta be strong. You gotta, you gotta not have hurt feelings and you gotta kind of just tell yourself at the end of the day, if you've got one person you can come home to that thinks you're the star, you're doing good. And shameless plug, I have a partner I have a husband who puts me back together at the end of every day. Oh, that's nice to hear. Well, yes, and I think that that in witnessing your work and um, as a director, as a leader, as president of ETA, as a colleague, and as a performer, I've seen you in all those different roles. And I've watched you blossom over time, and I've watched how you've taken the reins without... I mean, I, I think maybe you're underselling yourself a bit. Uh, in the sense that I, I think you are incredibly smart, incredibly organized, even though it may not appear so on the outside, but I know that internally you are, and I know that you um, are definitely strong-willed, and you, you, when you want something, you're going to achieve it, but at the same time, like you said, with a nurturing teaching side to it, and maybe that's why the teaching part has been such an integral part of what you're doing, because it's with a lesson. It's always with a learning something from the experience. And I think the best directors are always, I think, actors first. Because they, they, as an actor, I've always enjoyed, let me put it this way, directors who are actors first because they get it. They get it because they've been there. They've done the eight shows a week. They've sweated. They've cursed. They've gone through the tech. They've done all the stuff on the stage. So if they can have a director that nurtures, that, nurtures them and understands that, They'll also listen to the tough love piece. And I think that that's great. And, and I'm sure that you, that you do great in those. And, and so I just was curious because when I, I knew, I'm glad you raised 1776 because I knew you had, you had directed this huge musical at this huge theater. And I thought to myself, wow, good for her. You know? And so these are the things that, that um, impress me. And, and so that's why I, I bring them up. But so to turn a little bit more to 
another piece of you, since we, you know, we've got limited time on here, but I want to get to all these different things that you do. Um, I, we could talk for hours about your directing, but I want to talk a little bit more about your experience with writing your own musical called Croker that you worked on um, and that ended up having a production in New York City. Tell me a little bit about Croker and this musical that you put together. Croker's like my third child. But uh, here's the thing. Um, at one point in my career, I worked for the School of the Performing Arts in the Richmond community, also known as Spark. Mm-hmm. And one of the uh, wonderful things about my time there was they pretty much gave me free reign to create whatever I wanted. Um, they showed a lot of faith in me in that way. And uh, the gentleman that I referred to earlier, Jason Marks, obviously I've known him a long time as well. We worked together and we, we had this idea, well, I think it might have been Jason, that we were going to write a musical version of The Frog Prince mm-hmm. for students because we felt there wasn't enough good material um, for theater for youth. And that it just took off, Stefan. Uh, we did it, we rewrote it for Spark. We then rewrote it in a full length version for Virginia Repertory Theater. So mm-hmm. it had its first professional production here in Richmond. Mm-hmm. Uh, another reason I'm eternally grateful to them. We we won a competition yes. and we got a performance at the Broken Leg Theater in New York City. Nice. The show has gone on. It ha- it's actually, it was slated to have a whole bunch of productions mm. in 2020 and 2021, which, um, thank you, pandemic, but yeah, well. eventually those will happen. Yes. Um, and the thing of it is, is that um, I don't know if it's like the greatest thing ever written, but it's people love it. It's had the most incredible audience response. Uh, Jason and I have gone on to rent, write other things that we think are good, and hopefully we will get back to developing some of those. Uh, and again, like Virginia Rep has been very supportive in uh, giving us those opportunities. But Croker is near and dear. And I, I look forward to in, I look forward to seeing its continued lifespan. Mm-hmm. Now, Jason was the composer for the music, and you wrote the libretto and the lyrics. Is that how it worked? Yes, sir. Got, okay, great. And I that's want, exactly how it worked. Okay, great. And let me ask you a question. So, Croker is a uh, theater for young audiences piece, I guess you would call it, like that you would you'd mentioned earlier, musical. But I feel like it could work in any any theater really if someone's interested in producing croaker what what do, how does that work are there rights available or how do you, yes. you guys do that oh so you've registered we, it and it's all ready yes. to go we actually have a company oh great where do where do people do do they sign up do they call do they email somewhere somewhere do you go on a website we have a website okay and 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 you know i appreciate the opportunity for self promotion yes please um, do it is cam c a m Theatricals. Okay. And if you Google that, you will find us. If you Google Deborah Clinton and Jason Marks, you will find it as well. Uh, Cam would be Clinton and Marks. That's oh. our like initials. I was, yeah, I right? was gonna ask. I was gonna ask what it stood for, and I'm glad you, you spelled that. And so, um, how big is the cast? What are the requirements? So, if somebody wants to produce it, what do you need? Great question. Because the the really cool thing about the show is that there are several iterations of it mm-hmm. it was conceived originally for 30 some students wow. when virginia rep uh commissioned the rewrite we went to 11 adults mm. oh. 
And so I pretty much anything in between. Um, so they're versions. Have, I guess we just have a lot of different versions of the show, uh, different uh, material in each, you know, the same basic format and outline, but longer, shorter, depends mm-hmm. what you want. Great. So any school or any any group that mm-hmm. wants to produce it, it would be great for, for young audiences, a community theater or college university or even a professional theater that's looking for a youth component for their program. Yeah. Absolutely. Good. I wanted to get that out there just because I've seen it. It's a great show. Uh, I was shocked. I'm not a big fan. A big confession. Not a big fan of theater for youth in general. Not that I don't love it. I'm a fan of it as a concept, but as an audience member, I tend to kind of go, yeah, yeah, you know, hmm, you know, I like the dramatic adult stuff. But you know what? I found myself engrossed uh, and I love the music and the lyrics. I found them, especially in the script, funny, very funny in a, in a very smart way, which is hard to do with sometimes for, for, for theater for youth um, to get the jokes. I think adults enjoy it as much as kids in their own way. It's, it, it was great. Thank you. So, um, so the Croakers out there, we've talked about, uh, about a lot about your directing. Now, you mentioned briefly in the beginning about your work at, at JCC, at the Jewish Community Center, um, uh, the Weinstein JCC, and that you have a... Um, you're the artistic director of the family theater. Do you do a typical, I'm just curious, this is, is this a typical season? How many shows a year do you do? Um, you, I know you have a theater in the, in the JC, which is very, very uh, attractive, nice theater, I've seen it. What, what is a, a typical season like for you for, at the JCC? A typical season <laughs> are three, three shows, mm-hmm. uh, three adult uh, family shows, usually uh, one or two musicals and a straight play, mm-hmm. uh, and then a summer youth initiative where we do two one musical in june and one in august we do a little bit of class you know Mm -hmm. class programming uh after school and such uh all right so here are some fun facts people say to me do you have to be jewish Mm. to audition no you do not um in fact you don't have to be jewish to even go to the jcc it's a community organization right um our mission is uh pretty I think it, it's something about um, Jewish works by Jewish playwrights, authors, and composers. Well, find me a Broadway musical that isn't written by a Jewish person somewhere I, in there. I was about um, to say, that's pretty much everything. <laughs> it's it's totally... one of the things we brought as immigrants. We brought you musical oh, theater. Thank you. Um, <laughs> thank you so much. I can't tell you how much we owe to Irving Berlin and everyone else, right? Starting All with Irving. Them. Yes. Oh, lovely. Um, Gershwin. Gershwin, Berlin, God bless America, all those things. But um, so, um, yeah, it's a, it's a great place and it's a wonderful, um, it's wonderful that you're able to do a mission there. So I'm thinking to myself, here you are, president of ETA, running a theater in the JCC, basically, a, a, like a full artistic director of pretty much a full-time theater, um, writing musicals. I've forgotten one thing. There's one more thing that you do on top of- I'm a teacher. Yes, and that's what we're gonna talk about right now. So you, aside from all of that, you are a full-time teacher in Hanover County, which is in, in um, outside of Richmond, right, Virginia. Um, yes. Tell us about your teaching. You teach high school? I teach uh, middle and high school, yes. And what do you teach there? Um, I teach theater. Aha. Uh-huh. So how, <laughs> how has that been? Talk a bit about the experience you've had doing that, the good stuff, but also you can talk a bit about how you're adapting. Are you teaching online now? What's going on with that? Oh, I'm, I'm so glad 
glad you asked me. Um, first of all, I do I teach at Hanover High School mm-hmm. in Oaknell Middle. So shout out to those schools. Uh, I backed into teaching public school teaching. I backed into it literally, mm-hmm. um, but found myself so incredibly happy there. Uh, and I have wonderful students who um, are all participating participating in VTA and are really um, hungry for theater and. Uh, Hanover has the distinction of being one of 10 divisions in Virginia that are back to school face to face. And I think, and I'd have to check this, we may be the only division that is full-time face to face while also having a a full-time virtual school as well. Oh, wow. So it has been, (laughs) I know all my fellow teachers all over the state, I, we all, empathize with each other we know what what we're working with um you know you do it's theater man you do what you got to do you know you show up one night and the lead is throwing up and Mm. the roof is leaking and Mm. someone there isn't a situation i think that theater doesn't prepare you for because it's all about working out your problems while people are watching and this is kind of what i feel like teaching is right now Mm -hmm. but I feel very, uh, I feel like my school community and my students and my parents are very grateful for the fact that we are trying to rise to the challenge. And I just want to say to all of your listeners, there's always going to be something to complain about. Mm. Okay. So the next time you want to send that email to your child's teacher, maybe start it with this great thing that they did because they're showing up. Yeah. They're showing up for your kids. And how can I help Virtual is always good too. Or face to face. How can I help is always good too. To set, start how can I help is great. At the what end. do you need? Yeah, let me know if there's any way I can help you. Yeah, we're all in this together, right? And so this is amazing. So you're doing face-to-face teaching with a hybrid of, of online as well. <laughs> yeah, I have like, I have one class that has about 16 face-to-face students and about 11 virtual students and this from the woman who really struggled with technology mm. so a shout out to our it uh tech yeah. at hanover um kate who keeps me straight and helps me turn my stuff on well i'm gonna say i thought you've done great so far i've been watching you with all your technology stuff and whether it's the board meeting or, or teaching i can tell that you are learning quickly and, and, and adapting as you do so well, Deborah. That's part of what, one of your biggest strengths is adapting to things and working in the moment when needed. So all these things we've covered, right? Performer, director, writer, teacher. We didn't really cover it all. We're almost out of time, unfortunately. I need another episode with you, Deborah. You do too much. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to focus on a few of the things. If people want to learn more about, first of all, let's, let's talk about conference one more time, Virginia Theater org. That's the VTA, Virginia Theater Association Conference, October 27th through November 1st. You're the president. The board is all working with you to create this amazing conference, 2020 online. Imagine Virginia Theater Association. So get your tickets now. Uh, registration's 25 bucks if you want a, a pass. And um, amazing programming, as we discussed earlier. And if anyone wants to follow you, Deborah, um, personally or your work on social media and to kind of know because I know the pandemic's happening but hopefully we'll get back soon and you're you probably if I know you have other projects in the works that you might want to inform people about so where how do they follow you if they want to get on on Facebook and Instagram uh 
Deborah Clinton That's easy. on Facebook. And, you know, I, I do uh, Deborah Clinton one on Instagram. Okay. I, I don't Instagram as much as I should, probably because I don't like pictures of myself. Um, <laughs> Join the club. Right. But um, I do use Facebook a lot just for promotion. Mm-hmm. And I know that's considered to be like old people's social media, but, you know, hey, that's what we do. Um, and then, you know, whatever else rolls my way. I, I'm not a big fan of Twitter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, neither. I'm trying to wrap my head around Twitter, but. Yes. Well, we'll get there. But I think I think that it's great. So if people want to reach out to Deborah Clinton, they can go to all all the social media. And for I, I'd be remiss if I didn't say, aside from the conference, if people just want to follow Virginia Theater Association, they can do that online as well on the social media. Just look for yep. do a search for Virginia Theater Association, the the larger work that we're all doing. So Deborah, thanks so much. This has been wonderful. I feel like I just scratched the surface, but uh, it, unfortunately, we have limited time here on American Theater Artists Online. But I really really appreciate your being with us today and we wish you all the best in this upcoming conference you'll have to have you back later to report back on how it went Stefan thank you so much for inviting me I've had a great time talking to you so have I thanks so much Deborah and Godspeed (laughs) take care take care